everyone. This is Stephanie. And this is Leon. And uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're going to try something a little different now. This is our first episode. Of audio only. Audio only. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a special one because we just got back from Vegas. Right, yeah. From uh, Classic Gaming Expo 2014. Yes. yes. <clears throat> so we felt it was a good topic to, to Yeah, I felt like this was a good... Talk about. Uh-huh. Yeah, a good starter. Um, you know, this episode will be a little special compared to other ones, but um, we have a lot to talk about, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Classic Gaming Expo 2014. It, this has been going on for about 10 years now. Uh, yeah, 15 it's, years even. 15. Because it goes back to 99. Damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not annual, or at least not anymore. It's semi, semi-annual, I guess. Yeah, so this one almost didn't happen this year. Uh-huh. Um, there was uh, the guys who run it. From Digital Press, I think it is. Um, yeah, from uh, I guess from CGE Services. So it's right. it's it's Joe, it's John, it's Sean, and uh, you Th- know. they've been doing it almost since the beginning. I think the first year was somebody else, and then they took it over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they've been running the show, and um, of course they've been concentrating on starting up a museum, and um, they've kind of been busy with that. You know, they do a touring museum, right? So, uh, you know, a bunch of new guys took over, Scott, and um, I forget who else. Uh, yeah, it was like, uh, the guys, basically the guys from the Retro Gaming Roundup. Uh, right, okay. So, Mike so, Kennedy and... So they uh, kind of worked together. I yeah. mean, they did the, most of the work, as far as I know, and then, you know, Joe and all the, and all the other guys um, put together the museum and the speakers. Right. So um, I was glad it happened, and I had a lot of fun, and we'll talk about some details for people who couldn't make it. Right, so it was over the weekend of September 12th through the 14th. Yes. Um, so three-day weekend this time around. Right, so this was a first for this show. It was a, they, they did a third day, uh-huh. uh, or like kind of an abbreviated Friday before the, the usual weekend show. Yeah. Um, it was only open for, I think, four hours, but, you know, gave us a chance to kind of look around and see what things are, see, you know, what things are like, uh, early crack at some of the vendors, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, now what did you think of the vendors? Um, hmm. Well, I guess there were things I liked, and there were things that I was maybe uh, looking forward to or hoping for, and that, that they weren't there. Um, I, I guess mean, I'll... you seem to have better luck than I did with the vendors. <laughs> I came away with a lot more stuff this yeah, time. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I guess, even despite that, though, I was kind of hoping for some of the ones that we saw... Last time. Now, this is my, this was my fourth consecutive CGE, and then for you, was the third. This is my third. Uh-huh. Third. Okay. So you've. I, th- I guess we're both veterans at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did miss seeing some of the some of the more like um, classic focused uh, vendors. Like uh, Atari Age had been there um, a couple of times. I think maybe the. I get definitely in 2010 was in 2010. the last time. Right. Yeah. Um, Atari2600.com. Yeah. They were I was hoping absent. to see those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, even BNC computer visions. These guys carry a lot of vintage Atari stock, old computer oh, stuff. Right. And, right. um, you know, they had, they have like a, just a lot of old original stock of, of, uh, Atari stuff. And I was kind of hoping to see that, but you know, Let's, I guess, figure out what what was good that we did see. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Intellivision was there. Intellivision Productions was there in force, as usual. Uh, no, that is uh, 
Keith Robbins booth right. or Keith Robinson's booth, sure. Okay, because then there's the podcast, right? The and so right next to them were the Intellivisionaries podcast guys. Okay, and it was definitely cool meeting those guys because I do listen to that podcast. Um, so I uh, we I ran into uh, I guess the guys that run that uh, uh, Paul Nermanen, it was William Olds and Rick Reynolds, cool guys all around, very friendly and. Uh, Paul was even selling uh, adapters for no, for no. the Intellivision flashback. Um, so for those that don't know, right, the um, you know that company at Games it, it released uh, new flashback units. These are plug and plays, relatively inexpensive, um, and they've always done the Atari flashback, and they also had some Sega models, like some Genesis based flashback models. Um, but they did an Intellivision one and a ColecoVision one and uh, a new Atari flashback. So they've got a whole bunch of new stuff this year. Um, but, you know, Intellivision Productions got a few to sell at their booth. <clears throat> and uh, they even did uh, a special edition version of it by giving you, like, a custom wraparound sleeve for the flashback box. Uh, and, of course, a lot of the Intellivision programmers were on hand to to also personalize and sign the sleeve. So all around, that was pretty cool. But then the guys at the Intellivision podcast booth, they had adapters because the controllers that come with um, the flashback are wired differently than the the removable like controllers that work on the Intellivision 2, for example. Um, so you can't use the flashback controls on original right. Intellivision hardware. So even that was though, a big goof. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as from what I understand, it just, it just wasn't something that they were making sure of to preserve throughout the production process. Something got changed somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. There was this intention to kind of they, make it. They switched one pin. Could be something as simple as that. I, I don't know the details of it, um, but you know, for a couple of bucks, people were able to pick up an adapter. Yeah, he had made them before the show. Did yeah, good job. I was meaning to pick one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I snoozed, so I, I did not get it in time. They seemed to disappear pretty they, quick. They, yeah, they went really fast. I think so they were gone as of the first day. People multiples. But they were, pay, they were taking uh, yeah. like a mailing list for people who were still interested. You know, in, I'll, in I'll add that to the list of things that I missed out on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue with this. Well, what did, you, what did you miss out on? What do you feel like you missed? Oh, man, I, I don't know. Like I felt like the first... Like, the first day we went in, and I just did a quick sweep around the room just to see mm-hmm. what was available, right. you know, not to spend too much time in one spot. And, you know, I didn't see a whole lot compared to, like, uh, CGs of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was a couple of things I had my eye on, and I was going to go back and check it out. Um, so, one of them was the cable, and that was gone. Mm-hmm. Um now, you don't have a flashback yet. I don't, no. But, and I don't even have an Intellivision. Right. So that's why I'm not, like, crying over it. You know? But it was just an opportunity to get it. Like, so right. did, did yes. make this adapter, and hey, you know, maybe it'll be useful In at some future. point. In the future. You never know. Right. You, know, you can come across mm-hmm. Intellivision 2 or whatever. Right. So, all right, so that was one. And then there was the, um, somebody, I don't know what booth it was, they were selling these Repro Vetrex light pens. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did see that. So, um... I first thought I dismissed it. I said, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever need this. And then uh, what happened was I found um, someone was selling the Vetrex multi-carts. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted one of those. So um, I was glad I was able to pick that up. 
that's your one. That's your, that's your one big pickup. Right? Yeah, that's my one. I just spoiled <laughs> the big pickup. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think it's the Sean Kelly like 2.0 multi-part. Yeah. yeah. So now I, I got that, and now um, the next day I thought about it, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll pick up that Vetrix light pen now that I have some light pen games. Right, because that's got it's the yeah, multi-cart's got there. the light pen games. So of on course there. I go back, and they're all gone. Mm-hmm. So I missed out on that deal. Yeah, I don't. I, you know. I don't know how hard those are to get. I'm, they're probably available online. They might be. I, I never even looked into it. Yeah. I don't know much about it personally, right. but it just felt like something cool. And it was cheap, like $15. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that, that same table had, I think, replacement controllers too. Well, like... Super Nintendo controllers mm. made for Vectrex. Right. So rewired to work yeah. on, on, on Vectrex, which could be good for some people. I guess. If yeah. you like, uh, if you prefer a gamepad. Well, or... the thing is, the controllers are really hard to find for Vetrex, and they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Standalone controllers mm-hmm. are. Yeah. So even though you're going to lose the analog stick, I mean, it almost makes more sense to use like a modern controller instead of a yeah. Super Nintendo. But yeah, um, I'm not even sure if that analog is adaptable because those, you know, might be different technology. I think the only game I had trouble using a digital control scheme on Vetrex was Pole Position. I was trying to like. Because uh, I, I ran into this with the with the iPad app. Oh yeah, yeah. You know where you to change lanes, it would just like it would just slide across the entire. Because it's just digital control. Yeah, yeah. you you didn't have that fine steering control, but it's it's I guess you know that's just one example. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how many other games that would expo- that apply to. Um, so what, did you see anything else that you were interested in on the floor? A couple of things, right? Um, you know, this I. I did pick up a whole lot, to be honest. I really... Nothing... I mean, I'm not a big collector anymore. Like, right. those days are kind of gone. So, I, I, anything I look for is definitely specific and very, you know, right. hand-picked. So, there were a couple of, like, handheld games, some tabletops that I do still look for. Um, I couldn't get a good deal on them like I wanted. Right. So, I ended up passing on the few that I saw. Yeah. Um, there was one I saw on... Um, actually... I saw it the night before the music, the, the show even opened because mm-hmm. we got um, to walk through, and there was Generation Next, mm-hmm. which is this Nintendo clone. Um, I don't care for the ac- aspect of playing it. I just like the way it looks. So yeah. it was on a table, and I was like, "All right, that's the first thing I'm going to go for." And when cheap I, too. Yeah, it was like yeah, fifteen dollars I think with the uh-huh. controller. So that was my mission. Like as soon as the <laughs> thing opened, uh-huh. and. Like, that was the first booth I went to, and it was gone, like, within five minutes. That's not fun. Yeah, that was, that kind of bummed me. That was, like, a bad start. That was, like, (laughs) man, like, it was only not even five minutes in, and someone already bought what I was going to buy, so. But, you know, that was probably the biggest, like, letdown of the Mm. vendors. But I kept hoping that, like, the next day, they would be bringing out more stuff. Right. And, because usually, like, people, they come in, like, boxes and boxes, Mm. and... Well, that same table disappointed me too in a, a different way because they were gone on the last day. <laughs> right. So that was well, that was a big issue for Sunday. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was a, a mix up or something, but like vendors were ready to go like first thing in the morning. Tables were emptied. Some didn't even show up. So yeah. that was a little shocking. I, I just kind of figured like Sunday is usually the day I like to like try to get deals for whatever things right. are left over. Right. But and other than like. You know, like really the artist tables, Mm -hmm. there was really not much left to pick from. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just like you're looking for the deals, I think some people just look at that day as like their travel day to go back. They'd look at Saturday as the big sales day and then Sunday, you know, why stick around late? 
and uh, have to either travel late or, or stay an extra day when they can just head out on Sunday. Yeah. Take that as their travel day. Um, but, you know, it's a mixed bag. It's always, you never know what you're going to find on the floor. You, obviously, you're, you know, you'd like to look around first just to get an idea of what there is for yeah, sale. Because you don't want to, like, drop all your money on one table and then right. you go to the next table and you're like, oh, <laughs> man, that's like a whole bunch of... Yeah. You know, you never know what you could find. It could be, you know, Japanese import or something that's $150. <laughs> right, you never know. Yeah. But, you know, but then there's other buyers out there, so, so they might scoop up. They yeah, might scoop up what are... you're looking for. I don't remember that being an issue in the past mm-hmm. CGEs I, I've been to. Well, it just felt fuller, right? It just felt like there was more to look at and more to buy last time. Maybe, maybe. Previous years. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just my... Well, you know what it is? We it. had a lot of... Um, different like we had a big um anime booth there was and they were like kind of sponsoring the show yeah so they had a huge section yeah and really that's not like i have no problem with that but it's just not um what i'm used to Mm -hmm. at a classic game convention so there really wasn't anything that appealed to me to buy right so there there was a couple of booths like that which you know i kind of just walked right by because yeah they had a big open space like even um even hyperkin they, you know, it was mostly a demo area. For yeah, their, I mean, that made no for sense. For their consoles, they had, but they didn't have any stock on hand to sell until maybe late the, la- the last day. I think day? Saturday they were able to get a box yeah. um, to sell, but I don't even know, like, how fast those went. And, you know, they didn't really tell anyone. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of... They were really just there to demo the, right. the Retron 5. Yeah, well, I mean, at least people are into that system. And they had this cool... Uh, I don't know. I didn't even ask them what it was. I should have, but... It was a virtual boy, like hooked up to a PC. Uh huh. And I don't know, was it, you, you thought maybe it was an Oculus Rift? Oh, I don't know. I didn't, or it know. was just like a, a tablet that was. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I don't know. I actually, I should have asked them. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I went in, I went into the show. Um, I did have kind of a hit list, though, of things that I was looking for. I mean, I'm into picking up the show exclusives if I can find them. Mm hmm. Uh, whatever is being uh, premiered at the show or is just, you know, exclusive edition made just for the show. That kind of appeals to me. It, it helps to justify the trip and, want, and being there and, you know, you know, getting the access to, to the stuff that you can't buy anywhere else. Um, so I did like that aspect of it. Um, I picked up mostly homebrews, though. They were mostly, you know, pretty much just, um, you know, a couple of new games that were being premiered there. And uh, I guess the most notable one was uh, was Joust for the ColecoVision for me. Um, that was, I believe, a previous title that was supposed to be that was supposed to come out for Coleco from Atari Soft. So it was worked on, you know, at Atari Soft because um, you know Atari was putting out some of their titles for ColecoVision mm-hmm. and competing systems. Uh, that one never made it out, so they they got the code and finished it up and made a really nice package for it. Um, yeah, the box is really cool. I think it's still... Yeah, it's we'll have to the show... Wrap. Yeah, I mean, we'll try to do a video for all these things. Mm-hmm. Because it is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and like, like I said, the Intellivision flashback was, was being uh, sold there as well. Yeah, so he was able to scoop up like 200 pieces, I think, yeah. to sell at the show. With 200 like CGE... Right. Specific wraps that go around it. Uh-huh. And those were numbered and available to be signed. That was by pretty cool. Who you know, whoever was on hand to do that. Um so yeah, it was it was uh priced at sixty, I think, which mm-hmm. I, I guess the consoles are going for, on sale for forty dollars at 
at retail. Yeah, so so a little bit of a premium, but just to be able to get the special one, autographed mm-hmm. by all the you know the yeah. Blue at first I was a little and... I was a little on the fence at first, but I'm like ah right, you know it's just, yeah, yeah I might no. as well just get it while I'm here. Uh, yeah, if you're an intelligent fan, that was probably like a dream to even mm-hmm. meet those guys and to have them autograph. <laughs> You know, how often you're ever going to get to do that. Right, right. Well, they, they, are, they are there regularly, but you never know who's going to show up. No, so. you never know, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, apart from that, um, I did uh, also, uh, I also had a mission to um, upgrade our, uh, the Harmony cart that I have for the Atari 2600. Um, and also another uh, uh, fellow digital press member mm. um our buddy greg wanted me to to pull that off for him too and i was uh, on a on the hunt to find um the designer or the provider the harmony card the, guy <laughs> yeah pretty much batari from atari, the atari age forums was going to be at the show and was going to be able to do on the spot swaps for for your harmony cart <laughs> So I had two harmony cards. That wasn't shady at all. <laughs> he just pulls out this like well, box out of his knapsack of cards. Yeah. Well, it looked shady, but he was wearing his harmony uh, yeah, t shirt. So he was like, identifiable <laughs> at least. And he was nice enough to do it. So. Yeah, he, I was, he was. So nice. that was cool. A couple of people actually picked up the harmony card. Mm-hmm. I heard some excited guests. <laughs> Right. This is this is this is called the Harmony Card Encore. This is like right. a new like version too, that has a, additional memory and 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 you know space to run all the the new homebrews, and all the biggest cool. ROMs that you could find for twenty. Yeah, the Harmony Card's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I don't know. That was kind of it for the for the deals room, I guess. I don't know if there's anything um, else worth mentioning. Not so much, other than like a couple of familiar faces were there. Um, you know. Which was nice to see. Um, Gamester 71? <laughs> Gamester 81. 81. All right, John from Gamester close, 81. Yeah. yeah, so John was there. I got to meet him. Um, he does that YouTube show and yeah. a bunch of other things. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was showing off his game for the ColecoVision. Right. He ran some contests, too, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't... Contest to beat a score, which, I, which you did participate in. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> That was taking that was that, 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 that took place in the arcade area. Yeah, yeah. So when we talk about the arcade, we'll, we'll kind of mm-hmm. touch up on some of those things, right? But uh, yeah, as far as the vendors, I mean, what more can you say? It's mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I you know I came away with a few things, but um... uh, oh, the uh, retro magazine. Oh right. So they had, and this was kind of funny because they had a raffle going on. Mm, that's true. So um, they were selling their magazines, you know, subscription mm-hmm. discount and stuff. Yeah, I took it. Good, good of deal. That. They had some posters. I, I signed up for the the digital. Yeah, subscription. It, was, it was a good deal. Ten bucks. Um, good bad. magazine. You know, lots of if anyone doesn't know, a retro magazine, um, written by established people mm-hmm. in the industry. Yeah, huge, huge editorial. It was staff. a big Kickstarter um, fund and stuff. So. So they had this auction. It was just a table of miscellaneous items. And mm-hmm. you bought the raffle. It was an auction. It was a raffle. And then the last day, they were going to call names, um, right. the winning numbers, and you get to pick on the table. It was kind of like first come, first serve kind of right. thing. End of day Saturday, I think. Yeah. Right. It was supposed to start at 545, but yeah. they started a little bit earlier. So uh, so that was chaos. It mm-hmm. was just madness. People... Right. They call your number. They were and calling then, numbers like super fast. And then you just they go up to the table. started early. Yeah. And then... People were taking long to decide what they wanted, so now the line was getting backed up, and it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did manage to, because I, I, we bought quite a few tickets, so 
Um, I did get to pick up a few miscellaneous... Just fun items. Some things, yeah. Just whatever was left over. A couple of LCD games. Uh, uh-huh. Ice hockey on Atari. Silly, silly stuff. But that was kind of fun. Right. Um, yeah, that, that, that was probably my only other highlight from mm-hmm. the, the vendors. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so adjacent to the, the vendors a- uh, area right, yeah. uh, was uh, the arcade room. Uh-huh. And that was like a... Uh, free play area, so all the arcade games that were in there were, you know, no no quarters or tokens necessary. You could just go in and play any game you want. So it was a mix of arcade games, pinball games. Uh, there was the console free play area. There was handheld setup. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, they had it any all kind of covered gaming. from like the way in the seventies to mm-hmm. modern. Right. Uh, William Culver. Mm-hmm. He did a really. He had a task of putting together something like fifty consoles in the in the console room. Yeah, and he hit his goal, and he managed to get TV, like not even TVs, but like CRTs. Right, right. <laughs> Which is just totally insane to see fifty. Yeah, because initially they were kind of reaching out to the community or to the attendees to see who can bring uh, any extra screens they've got, and I know at one point they they managed to contact the recycler. Uh, Somebody who, you know, would typically take in these TVs that people didn't want. Yeah, they just had them all lying around. They were like, you yeah. want them? Sure, take them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's pretty good. It's a, it's a perfect uh, so that, use for, for, yeah, for an old they, they, were, they had nice layer of dust on them. It was, mm-hmm. it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, except... Except the fact that the one console I bring... Right, so would, you were going to bring... You, you brought one of your consoles to set up in the free play area, too. Yeah, which which is only HDMI-based. I brought the Ouya. Right, so... Which... which <laughs> Uh, I, I have an unlimited um, account, like a special account on there, so right. I have free access to any game, so I loaded it up with as many retro-style, you mm-hmm. know, pixel games that I could think of, Right, and it's a great console, so I figured it'd be good for the console room. You brought So you brought your Ouya, two wireless controllers, yeah. and, and an external hard drive that has lo- right. loaded, loaded up with, you know, all the various Ouya games. So, um, unfortunately, no monitor. Right. So we get there, and there's all these vintage CRT TVs, and none of them have <laughs> an HDMI input. Um, but I guess we got lucky because um, we found a spot right at the edge of um, a table where a Commodore uh, kind of fan club or a user's yeah. group was mm-hmm. set up. And they did happen to have uh, an LCD TV there to demo some of their stuff. Yeah. Um, I think uh, between a laptop and uh, I think there was an Amiga 1200 also hooked up to that TV. So, yeah, I mean, depending on what somebody wanted to play, all they would have to do is switch the input right, on the TV. Right, so they were nice enough to... Let us share that space. I mean, during the hours of the um, convention... Right. They were pretty much present, so they had their laptop plugged in. But at night, because the, the arcade was open till twelve, so right, yeah. The, so the, the once they shut down, the, those at six, yeah, the, all those people left, and because yeah. um, they're not, you know, the Commodore sixty four guys, they just probably went to back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. But um, they don't leave their laptop there. Yeah, exactly. Too. Also, <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to plug in my Wii on. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some people played it. If not, you know, I saw I saw some action there. <laughs> yeah, I think some people tried it out for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the I was impressed by that, by all those consoles. It was nice. I mean, uh, so I was saying, going back to, they had the old Pong system set so, so, up, which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, um, I think it was like some kind of combat game. 
So, um, yeah, Atari, Coleco, going all the way up to, I think the most modern was maybe, um, Xbox 360? Uh, or was it just regular Xbox, I maybe? did see, I did see regular Xbox, because they had a, uh, a Steel Battalion arena yeah, set up. Yeah, That was um, impressive, too. Actually, that, that table was a highlight for me, because I saw, um, a modded Xbox there that I'd never seen before. I mean, I knew that people take their old Xboxes and... And, uh, you know, modify them, add all kinds of features to them. But this one was unique because it was kind of like, it looked like a double-decker Xbox. It had like a whole expansion chassis underneath it with like removable hard drive and it had like an LCD on it and stuff. And you could actually see what was running. And that's a custom? Must have been totally custom modded, yeah. Um, It was one of the machines set up for the the Steel Battalion uh, uh, setup, but... Uh, I'm going to try to find more information about that. Mm-hmm. I just uh, really like the look of it. But um, what else did we see in that room that you, that we caught your eye? Or what else well, did you like some, about the room? Um, well, they had actually the Coleco flashback demoing, mm-hmm. which was nice. Because okay. that wasn't available. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it to, for sale in time. But um, at least uh, I think one of the... Actually, one of the attendees was able to get one mm-hmm. from a local Toys R Us to set up. <laughs> right. Because so they leaked cool. early. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was nice. Um, also, uh, they ran a lot of contests. So they had like a Mario Kart contest and the Steel Battalion, um, Gamesters, uh, 81's contest. So they had a whole bunch of other things uh, yeah, for actually, the game. Uh, most also notable Bomberman. Was, was the 10-player Saturn Bomberman. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and and that was even like projected on the wall at, some, yep. at one point. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Um, arcade games were good. I'd say maybe even better than the last CGE. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, some of them had issues. Right. Um, you know, controller issues, screen issues. Mm-hmm. So um, unless you have an on-site like technician, that's going to happen uh-huh. with these old games. Yeah. Well, I think some people were able... I mean, the owners of these machines that typically have to maintain them and restore them if anything goes wrong. So. Yeah. So I think a lot of them were worked on even during the show. Um, were there any... Uh, favorites that you saw there? Did you, anything stand uh, well, out for you? Pac-Man Plus was there. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I'm a big Pac-Man fan, so it's, that's not a game you always see, Pac-Man Plus. Mm-hmm. So I got to set my high score on that. That yeah, was very um, impressive. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> I didn't even make it to, I think, that whatever the key stage is on Pac-Man, Pac-Man Plus, but uh-huh. it was the high score. Um, that was kind of it as far as being impressed um the stunt cycle was cool to see that Mm -hmm. that was the first time i think i've seen that in the arcade but um when i went to use it uh, it was out of tokens (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't know at the time that you had to like pop open the thing and Uh uh-huh yeah there's always a little tricks there's tricks yeah sometimes there's a button like a little red button like modded onto the the coin box something yeah to add credits and some machines just have free play options Mm -hmm. Uh, so it really just depends um there was a really nice Defender machine there that I saw that you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Um, that I played for a bit. It was um, you know it's it's tough sometimes just to find the right combination. Like like you said, there were various issues on some of the machines, but this one was super clean, good screen, good controls. Mm-hmm. So I was able to to play that a bit. Um, unfortunately, there was a um, a missile command machine there uh, that was I think the Japanese style cabinet. So it was. Uh, it was a Sega branded <laughs> Missile Command. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't turned on. I know. I was like, that was the. I've never seen that before, and that was like the one thing mm-hmm. that really stuck out. Like, right. whoa, what? What is this? <laughs> the, the game is probably the same. Uh, I don't know for sure, but 
Um, but it would have been cool to see it in action, it just because been. I've never seen uh-huh. I've seen one lit up before. Um, but there was a Missile Command like mini cabaret type uh, machine that I did play a little bit on. Also. Oh yeah, that's right. They had Asteroids, Missile Command, mm-hmm. uh, Space Invaders. Also, it was like there was like a mini cabaret. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Um, there was an Adventure Vision out for for play on the yeah that was the tabletop uh-huh. uh, area at one point. Um, I think the Defender card was in there. So yes, we were playing a little bit Defender. of Defender. So I've never played Adventure Vision before. Mm-hmm. Super and rare system. Super rare. Yeah. Only four games released for it. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, that was one of them. And you know, it has like a kind of a red LED looking type of display, yeah, uh-huh. but much more detailed than I thought would have. I mean, it was pulling off Defender pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's not like your typical LED games. Right. Or VFD games. Mm-hmm. It actually had, like, smooth animation. It Very similar to a Virtual Boy, almost, yep. with that chromonochrome red and black look. Uh-huh. But um, it works with, like, a spinning mirror and a laser that, like, <laughs> I can't even explain it. You just have to. Is there a laser kinda, in there? Are you sure? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> This is late 70s technology. This is, yeah, about. I don't know how it works, but or there is something 80s. spinning inside. Right, right. Definitely a mirror. There's definitely a mirror involved. <laughs> yeah. I know for sure. Um, now, the other weird thing that we saw was this uh, vector-based flap- oh, the, the, flapping bird <laughs> game. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I didn't get the full story on this. I didn't really yeah, quite grasp um, everything that was going on there, but I mean, it was... It was a circular vector display, almost like the type that you would get from an old aircraft. Like a, yeah, like an oscilloscope. Uh-huh. Three and, inch, maybe, at most. Right. And I don't know what the what the core that it was running on was. I mean, I'm assuming some type of, like, microcomputer. Uh, like... I mean, yeah, it was built in a custom case, and uh-huh. it was clear plexi, so you could see inside. Right. So all you see, really, is this tube of you the, saw the You screen. saw the long Yeah, it was a long tube. display tube. And I didn't see any... Like chips or wires, or really? So I'm not sure what it was how. On. But apparently, the uh, Chris Romero, mm-hmm. um, who is a big uh, Vetrex collector, yeah, he actually got that from a friend. He brought that, and he was telling us a story, and I kind of didn't get the whole story, like because mm. it, it, it was the first day, and I didn't understand it quite exactly. But apparently, the guy programmed on this thing, yeah, and he went like over, like above and beyond what he needed to do, like to program on this. Right. So it'd be. I actually should do more research on this. It would be a good to get the full story on that. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to see that. I uploaded a YouTube video of it just for people to <laughs> right. see. Um, I, I was horrible at it though, <laughs> as I am with. It's a tough game. A Flappy Bird game. Very. Yeah. It was very challenging. Um. But those were the highlights for, uh-huh. for the most part. I mean, uh, there's various games in there. We got some time in. Uh, probably not as much as I would have liked. Cause right, was, yeah. Because I mean, there was just a lot going on. Uh-huh. Um, but that was that was a good room, definitely. For it was sure. fun. Um, so what else do we have at the show? We had the big museum area, right? The yeah, so from video there. The game classic uh, museum. The video game history museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that um they so they've been of course uh they've been there a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um they do touring with that too. That's always been a big part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always impressive. This was probably the largest museum from them I've seen, like the largest space dedicated to. Mm-hmm. They had I can't even tell you how many tables, 30 tables maybe. I'm going to just quickly. It was yeah, it was uh it was impressive. A lot to take in. There's it's um, always a few hours. Plenty of photos and videos there. online to take a look at it. But I mean that is worth the admission almost just for that. Just to see 
all these items and products that you've probably have never seen in your life. Some of them are just like one of a kind prototypes. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I've been to the museum a few times already. Mm-hmm. And I'm still amazed. Like, I'll still go in there and be like, whoa. Like, Even the what? stuff you've seen before. You're like, oh, man, I just, you know, you get reminded of how cool some of these yeah. items were. I mean, it was a mix of things, right? Because you have, you, you get to see kind of a, a visual walk through history of, of gaming, like kind of where it started. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, all the stops along the way up, up until very modern. Yeah, items. I mean, it's not just like, items you know, there. 70s, 80s stuff. It's... Mm-hmm. They have, like, Call of Duty collectibles and, you know, modern sure. stuff that maybe you didn't even see that because... There's PlayStation and Dreamcast stuff uh-huh. in there, too. So, um, you know, you see some some rare variants of consoles that you've never seen before. You see uh, prototypes of unreleased hardware, unreleased games. Cosmo, Atari Cosmos is there. Uh, a non-working, of course. A non-working <laughs> one, but a, but definitely a shell of what a real Atari Cosmos. That's yeah. definitely one of my the highlights. Ralph Bear prototype. Uh-huh. Right, um, the the brown box. Brown that, box, yeah. Uh, I think like, it, it's might be it might be a reproduction. I think there were a few might repros be, but made just to see that. But that's you know, where it started. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the beginning. Um, yeah. You know, we even got to see Doctor Pong, Poppy Pong. You know, Doctor Pong. Yeah, <laughs> he came before Doctor Mario. <laughs> that's right. People don't give him credit. I know. But I mean, my impre- most impressive thing is always seeing. The handheld setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rick Morgan. He right. comes with his handheld collection, and he has, as far as I know, like one of the biggest handheld collections mm-hmm. in the maybe even the world. Sure, but uh, it's impressive. I mean, it's just like half the room is just these boxed, like tabletop handheld LED games. Mm-hmm. Some of them from Japan. Some of them from Europe. Oh, I know Germany. Just like places that it's just insane. You wouldn't be able to even <laughs> buy this as a consumer. But somehow he's managed to, to wrangle them all out. Yeah, it's like 30 years of collecting. It's amazing. And, and even just, even variations within a particular unit, like even the Pac-Man handheld that you, that you uh, have been looking for, he had four different versions of it. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like, you know, with Japanese uh, decals on it, which are different from what yeah, you, would, all the you were able to get in the U.S. Um I mean, for me, some of the highlights, uh, like, I really um, have a fondness for the Atari 8-bit line of computers. So seeing a lot of that stuff up close, especially stuff that was that never came out, was uh, was pretty cool. I mean, there was a 1450 XLD computer, uh, which was probably the one of the last ones that were promised as part of the XL line before the XEs came out. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a low-profile machine. It looked a lot like a 1200XL or even the 1400XL, which was also similar. Uh, but it had two floppy uh, bays built into the top of the case. Uh, so very unique-looking for Atari computers. Uh, none of, there were no other models that, that took that design. Um, but, you know, seeing that in person and confirming its existence is always a thrill. I mean, I've seen it in years before, but it was also fun to see it again. Now, what draws you to that particular model? Uh, is it just the look of it or... It's the- it's the look of it. It's obviously the fact that it was never really in retail. Uh, I mean, it, Atari had a few models that they made, mm-hmm. and I guess they dumped them into federated stores at, for a very short period of time. Um, so there are just a few out there. Is it John, the only one with the dual disk drives? Or? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, John Hardy believes is less than less he, than thirty. He was saying something like he that. Said, he yeah. was saying somewhere between maybe twenty, twenty-five might have gotten out, but that's about it. 
Yeah. Uh, so, amazing. so that's about you know how rare that item is. Um, there was even an, uh, a a dual uh, disc drive that never came out. It was a variation on the Atari A10 disc drive called the 815. And it was two full-height floppy drives stacked on top of each other. And now we're, we're talking floppies. We're talking like five-inch... Five-and-a-quarter-inch <laughs> floppies, yeah. Not even the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously, obviously you mentioned the Atari Cosmos, too. I mean, I was imagining for years, what would a holographic game system look like? Or how would it operate? And... Uh, it's the future. You know, got Holograms. A, got a closer... <laughs> Gem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, the back then in the eighties, holograms were definitely the future. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got a, I got a better understanding of what that system was supposed to be like after seeing it up close. Um, it was like kind of a holographic backplate with some so it's not some tr- lights a true, behind it's it. It's a holographic image, but not a holographic game. Right? Yeah, I was yeah. imagining like you know, not like, like the Sega Star Wars holographic level arcade. tabletop games. Or yeah, something. right. Uh huh. Uh-huh. But uh, there were some more. There were some modern, more modern, interesting items there too. Um, there was a, a mock-up of the Sega Neptune, which was oh, supposed yeah, to be yeah. uh, Sega's combination console, where it had a, it was a Sega Genesis or Mega Drive with the 32X built into it. Yeah, and it was supposed to be um, kind of an all-in-one unit. It was uh, a nice-looking machine too. Very nice design. It's mm-hmm. sad that it never actually came out. Um, also, standout was the the Dreamcast uh, Divers 2000. <laughs> like it was a TV with a Dreamcast built. Oh, into it looks it. like an iMac. Yeah, like the old like original. Kind of does G3. remind you of that. Yeah, uh, kind of had it, like a like a. It had like LED lights in it too. I saw it glowing at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was pretty cool. It was. It was totally. How do you even get that? It was made for the Japanese market only. Uh-huh. Um, it came with a keyboard. Yeah, yeah. It came with a keyboard, a camera module. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was a really interesting bundle, but you know, it's one of those things that when it was new, it was like super overpriced, and no, not many people actually bought one. So nowadays, it's just a rare collectible for you know Sega fanatics, I guess. Um, you know, it was also cool. We saw a giant Mattel Electronics soccer game, like that was a like playable. No yeah, less. Playable. yeah. This was, I guess, a store display item. Uh, yeah, not very little is known about it. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, it had like a real handheld hooked up to it. So you could actually play the game in your, uh, in your hand. And it was also mirrored on the giant, like, I don't know, it was at least four feet high. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, also just the various collectibles that were there, t-shirts, blankets, oh, yeah. jackets, like just things, you know, from... From way back, that yeah, letters from people who worked at a time, like well, like um, stationery from mm-hmm. like little internal like, memos, stupid things like that, <laughs> uh, awards, you know, just uh, it's crazy things, things that when these companies shut down, I guess were scattered to the wind, yeah, and, and they've managed to collect a it's lot. Fun. Of them. It's fun. Um, the Vetrex area is always, I always love that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a full uh, kiosk was there, rare games. Homebrews. Um, yeah, these like custom controllers. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great variety of stuff to look at. Um, but, you know, again, that's just another area, another thing to do at the show. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. So, I guess uh, other things that were going on were, I guess, the. Speed- yeah, so in addition to all that, is, were you going to say the panels? Yeah, I was going to say like the, the alumni speakers, the keynote right, addresses, yeah. um, you know, uh, veterans of the industry came and uh 
kind of to give us their personal insight on what it was like working at the in the industry at that time when it was first starting up and working yeah, back with these when it really wasn't really an industry. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always interesting. I mean, even though you you might have seen some of these people in shows past, mm-hmm. they they always have new stories, new spins on things. People ask their own questions and might uh, generate a story that you haven't heard before. Um, so any any particulars that you liked or that you were um, yeah I mean, this was the first one where I really cared about not that I didn't care in the past I just I was I think in the past I was so amused by like everything else that the vendors always seemed like kind of like the boring thing because it was away from it, all the excitement yeah but this time I really concentrated on seeing as many of the speakers as I could right and um, I probably the Activision panel was my favorite mm-hmm. just because I mean. When I think of, like, 80s video gaming, or early 80s, right. Activision games were the best for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really hard to beat. Every game they came out with was, like, a winner. Like, boom, boom. Every game was, like, <laughs> another great game by Activision, you know? Uh-huh. So to hear the stories about what it was like to start up that company and make some of these early games... Right. Yeah, we got some deep technical information about how some of these amazing. games work for the 2600, because... Why, why they made decisions, like, putting the logos on there, and... Mm-hmm. It's such a primitive machine, and yet they were able to squeeze these amazing tricks or, yep. you know, things that you should that shouldn't have been possible because, as a lot of them point out, 2600 was designed to do two things, to play Pong and, and to <laughs> and play tanks, Tank right? Battle, <laughs> right? So that's all the tools you had to work with, um, you know, two-player controlled sprites and then, you know, uh, their shots or their missiles mm-hmm. between them. Um, like, that panel could have gone on for, like, four hours to me. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been... I mean, the interesting stuff, you know, we, we, David Crane was on hand and he always likes to relate like how things, because a lot of them were working, you know, obviously the founders were working at Atari mm-hmm. and they left Atari to found their own company. The first, I guess, the first third party company, basically. Yeah. Because um, back then, only like Atari only made Atari games. That's it. And if you wanted you to know, make Magnavox it- made Odyssey games and that was it. Yeah. I mean, anyone who made Atari games in that very beginning had to reverse engineer mm-hmm. the technology yeah. to make your own game. <laughs> so yeah, it was. So it's definitely interesting to hear. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know what it was like working at Atari and what conditions at Atari led to them wanting to leave and found their own company instead. Right. Yeah. So that was always great insight. Um, early Saturday, I guess, was uh, Jay Smith, the creator of the Vectrex, and also. The Microvision handheld. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get any Microvision information this time, but the Vectrex stuff was certainly cool. Yeah, when you, I guess it was working with GCE, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <clears throat> that was a uh-huh. uh, pretty pretty deep technical discussion too. In some places, uh, yeah, a lot was um, things that you know maybe I didn't quite mm-hmm. grasp, right. <laughs> but it was definitely worth you know listening to and it's funny watching people getting their vetrex signed right. <laughs> i don't know how they brought them there but yeah can't imagine bringing their those microvisions the, yeah bringing that on the plane <laughs> it's cool very cool um i think there was also a big atari uh round table where a lot of the veteran atari programmers were there yeah from um, like the early days to i think as modern as like primal rage arcade mm-hmm. years yeah yeah well into the 90s 
it was nice to hear a little. And one guy was there. I forget his name, but he was he worked there for what twenty five years or something or thirty years. I think I remember that. Yeah, that that's was true. And that panel was hosted by uh, Kurt Vendel yep. and Marty Goldberg. They they did the Atari is fun book. Yeah, or I'm also, sorry, it was the Atari Inc. Business is Fun. That's the that's the actual title. <laughs> that was the first. That was their first book. They're working on a second book, um, and it's going to continue the history of Atari uh, from 1985 forward. I think. Um, but those, you know, it's cool that you had guys there who kind of uh, knew the history, and I think there were at least like eight people on that panel, if not more. It was a pretty big panel. Yeah. Yeah. So. And different, like, not all, like, in the same department. Like, some worked in the computer department, mm-hmm. some worked in the arcade right. division. So, it was nice to hear different experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I guess, on the last day, we had um, we had some behind-the-scenes information about Coleco. Yeah, yeah. And uh, That was uh, actually pretty popular. I was surprised. is one of those things where there's just not a lot of information out mm-hmm. there. Um, so... Anytime you can hear anything you can about what it was like, you know, back then for ColecoVision and, mm-hmm. you know, why it died out so fast and everything is always fun to hear. Right. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was pretty interesting. I just never, uh, <laughs> never knew. And then, you know, we got, we got some information about the Avalon Hill company as right, well. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what the conditions were like there. Uh, Very for, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much those games were made, like... Almost in a in a like a dorm yeah, <laughs> setting, yeah, pretty much. Right? <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, and then I guess the last panel that I think we caught was uh, pretty much uh, uh, Joe, uh, Sean, and and John, and also Don Rogers, telling us about the history of, yeah. of CGE itself, mm-hmm. and you know the road that they've been on to kind of keep the show going. Yep, and that was. Um, some some stories that I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of cool there. Yeah, they're always fun guys to talk to. <laughs> yeah, always get a good story out of them, and usually it involves alcohol at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, adjacent to all the speaking, though, were also some film screenings. Uh huh. Um, there might have been more um, alumni speakers. There were. I don't, so we didn't catch every one of them. No, right? it was hard to get. It's hard. Every last it was, one. Yeah, it is hard to catch everything. Uh, there was, I mean, there was, there was an Aussie panel that I would yeah, have liked was, to have gone to. Mm-hmm. Um, the Intellivision one? Did end up missing the Intellivision one. Yeah, that was a big one, too. Um, there's, there's a pretty full schedule. So I'm, I'm hoping some of them end up, I know they recorded a lot of it, so I'm hoping um, they'll get uploaded mm-hmm. and I can just catch them on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm going to be looking for those. Yeah. Um, even if it's just audio, that would be fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 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 But, uh... But, yeah, so they had the screenings, too. Right. Another, and, um, and, I don't know, I mean, for the most part, I, I, I kind of felt like I didn't really want to, uh, you know, kill two hours just watching a, a documentary while we were there, because there was just so much else going mm-hmm. on. But a lot of them were also hosted by the ma- the filmmakers themselves. Right. So that was the... And uh, that would have been cool, too, to see the movie and then get an immediate Q&A with, with the director or producer mm-hmm. or the writer, like, right on the spot. Um, one of them was the documentary that Microsoft, uh, yeah, they premiered sponsored it. Yep. for the, uh, the dig, the big dig <laughs> to get, uh, the, you know, to dig up ET in the desert. Yep. They give out <laughs> um, free ET shirts. I saw some going around. ET t-shirts. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't get to go to that one because we were preparing for the Saturday night party. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, so we had our own little thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there was a full schedule of, of, of those screenings. Unfortunately, didn't get to them. It's hard, but, yeah, it's, it's almost... But I figured... Because some of those screenings go on at the same time as the panels, so... Right. You gotta choose. You gotta do one or the other, unfortunately. Yeah, so I figured the movies I can eventually watch at home. Mm-hmm. Might as well. Yeah, just, you would hope. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, catch them on my own time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... They had a cosplay convention. Right. Not a convention, but like um, a panel. They were encouraging that. people to come uh-huh. in, in that, costume. That looked like it got a pretty good turnout, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think some of them were also sponsored through... Um, you the know, anime the, store, right? right. Mm-hmm. The anime vendor that was there. They had a swap meet. Right. Yeah. I guess it was a that room was like after... set aside for people to be able to just sell their own box stuff. Of, yeah. And just yeah. I walked through yourself. there briefly. It was pretty crowded though. It was, it was really crowded. Yeah. And it was a <laughs> small hot room. So uh, didn't spend much time in there. A little bit of an odor. <laughs> I, I don't know from who, but if you put enough con goers together, <laughs> yeah. there will be a funk eventually. <laughs> so, Yep. I uh, skipped out of there. Yeah, yeah. Without too much uh, lingering. (laughs) Um, Also, the music, music, or was there more screenings that you had to mention? Uh, That was it for the screenings that I could... Yeah, I don't have much to talk about, because we Uh, didn't really go to any of the screenings. There were musical guests. Um, You know, obviously... Uh, the members of 8-Bit Weapon were there. Yeah, he's been there, as far as I know, all of the CGs I've been at. They're um, um, pretty much, you know, considered the music directors <laughs> for They seem to be. For the con. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were a couple of other uh, performers. They had at least one other guest. Um, William something, maybe? Am mm-hmm. I wrong? <laughs> I could be wrong. For music? Yeah, I think he, he had like a... Guitar kind of thing. Mm. I don't recall. I'm probably was. ruining. <laughs> we could always look that one up. Yeah, we'll look that one up. Um, but it, he was good. Um, all the music was good the whole the whole day. Yeah, yeah. It it's just provides a nice backdrop while you're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 8-Bit Weapon, of course, um, and Computer. They bring their mm-hmm. Commodore 64 equipped, like synthesizer, and yeah, good to get a close look at that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and a, and a, a deep discussion on the variety yeah, of said yeah. chips, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, you know, it's a good good chance to talk to people who know about yep. that stuff. Um, we also had a uh, a big auction on Saturday night. Um, yeah, well, that's uh, so they do that every CGE. Mm-hmm. It's usually it's um, kind of like customary now, right? It's so, almost like you go there for entertainment value and not just for bidding. Like you just go there to like watch the antics and you, something's always going to happen. And it, in, in the case of this auction this year, many things happened. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Um, you know, usually the auction items are going to be something special. Uh, special as in... As in rare, hard-to-find items, or just something unique? It, it varies, yeah. They, they'll usually put in, like, a couple of things that maybe are, you know, maybe not so special. And then they do, like, incredibly rare things. And then they do mystery boxes, mm-hmm. which are, you know... <laughs> right. Nothing, no one knows what's inside them. You never know what's going to show up in the mystery it. box. Yeah. 
uh, and and you had some involvement with that too, right? Uh, well, yeah, I had to create the artwork on the box. So you you custom designed the three mystery boxes that were presented in the auction. Yeah, me with my trusty sharpie marker. You had and uh, like ten minutes of my time. <laughs> right. So you had yet, yeah, but and yet you you provided mystery mysterious boxes to entice bidders to want to part sure. with their money. Yeah, I'm sure that was the reason why they. I think they saw all those question right. marks and all the uh, sure. creative creative uh-huh. artwork on the outside and said, there must be something good in there. <laughs> and was there something good in there? I think most of them were pretty good. I they, actually, they, I think they were pretty, they were. I, yeah. mean, I mean, sometimes. Depend, I don't know how, I'd have to do the math and see what they spent on it mm-hmm. compared to what they got. Right. But everyone seemed to be pretty satisfied, even the ones that were not the most impressive mm-hmm. box. Uh, now you were interested in bidding on some of these items, right? Was there any any standouts in the uh, in the auction? That... Yeah, there's a couple I I bid on, but uh, my limits are pretty low. <laughs> I don't uh-huh. have that type of money they throw around there. Right. So um, the one the one that I regret not bidding further on was the um, the I forget the company's called is it Sirius Sirius Software, and they've had made a lot. so they had a stack of. Um, of their games, which was like Beanie Bopper and Fast Eddie, mm-hmm. Worm World One, and Worm World One, yeah. A lot of these; those are like some of my uh, turmoil, uh-huh. my favorite Atari Twenty Six Hundred games, and yeah. especially Beanie Bopper. I'm a huge fan of that artwork. <laughs> that that's one of my favorite cover arts. There were several serious spots because some of them were for Apple II. Yes, some of them were for uh, you know for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred or the Atari computers. Um, so yeah, you had your it, choice. And so you had, you had at least multiple chances to get the. I artwork. did. I know, and I blew every one. Well, it really depends on I, how much you were willing to go for. I should have went higher. <laughs> I think the lot that you were bidding on ended at one hundred and seventy dollars. So. Uh, yeah, my last bid was one fifty. Mm-hmm. I should have went for one eighty. <laughs> Damn. I was looking around because I mean, yeah, some of these things are like a little pricey, but I was looking on eBay and now like to buy a box beating bopper alone is like fifty dollars at least. Just by itself. At least. And these were like sealed that they were you were getting at the auction. Mm-hmm. So you're getting like eight sealed games, you know, for that price was amazing. It was an amazing deal. But so the auctions are fun because a lot of times you do get into the, the bidding war. Mm-hmm. And John Hardy is he he does the he's the auction guy the he, auctioneer but he doesn't do it like what you'd think of like a traditional traditional like auction mm-hmm. type of setting and it's real funny and he does like a corona like every auction <laughs> so every new item so by the time you get to the end you know he's getting kind of a little he's getting jollier and <laughs> and more red as time goes yep. on and then you have Jen who is uh, she used to work at Digital Press and. She volunteers to do the, mm-hmm. the auction girl, like, showing off the items. Right. And, you know, he makes the comments, and everyone <laughs> has a good time. She takes it. I give her a lot of credit for doing that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you even you even participated in, a, in an auction at the store a few months before CGE. Yeah, cause, only because there was no Jen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you stood in. That's good. I, I, I don't know if there were really a lot of items that I would have been interested in. I mean, they, were def- they definitely went higher... Then I would have been willing to go. Um, there was a, a Virtual Boy uh, flash cartridge there that was in right, great yeah. condition. Those um, don't show up that often, no. Kind of don't really... I mean, there weren't that many to go around to begin with, and then they kind of just fall out of production. So that's kind of how a lot of these like homebrew flash cart projects go. I mm-hmm. mean, 
You basically have to jump in on the lot because yeah, they're if generally you're, handmade. So if you're interested at all, uh-huh. and because they kind of tend to come and come and go, you know. But that one I think went for three seventy five, which was probably more than I would have been willing to go. Would it be? Yeah, but do you think it's cheaper to get that or to collect? Because some of those games like are very hard to get for the virtual yeah, boy. Yeah, I mean, if your goal is to be able to play those games on if an original virtual play them, boy, yeah, I mean, then, this might be the only way. Then that's kind of the. I mean, I, I guess there's emulators, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you it's hard want, to emulate this, it's hard the to get the, the full three D effect. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, there was even a, a Vectrex Mindstorm cartridge. That oh was, yeah, that was a mail away. Uh-huh. That was uh, that was a mail away uh, bug fixed version. So it was of, like a version of Mindstorm. Two. So right because I didn't the even Vectrex. Know about that. See, you learn things even at the auction. That, you learn I think things. I did bid on that at like the intro price, and then I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> right. Yeah, that ended up going for five hundred. Mm. Which uh, I mean, you know, it's a great piece. Certainly, because that that game was built into the system. There was no cartridge originally. Right, yes. There was a problem with the game, and they shipped out fixed versions of the game on cartridge only. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is pretty hard to find. Never yeah. sold at retail. You had to be one of the people that actually took the trouble to write in about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were just so one many the, items. One of the things that impressed me was the original artwork to the marquees. Mm. On, so, like, the marquees on the arcade cabinet are those... Those top panels that you see that usually that like up. are backlit, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this was the actual like hand painted version of what went into final production, which which got screen printed onto yeah. these. So they had Moon Patrol. That was and, the first one we saw. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like a hand painted Moon Patrol. It was just so cool to see like that it even existed and to see it in front of you. Yeah, and then to give you the option of buying it was just amazing and. That, that, like, blew my mind when I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> I didn't even know how, like, how those came about, like, those marquees and the side art and everything. I mean, people worked on it. And so that's, it was pretty cool, was yeah. the original stuff. Impressive. Um, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm just looking at the looking list at of, the, yeah. of, of items, and, I mean, there's just... It was something definitely for everyone. Whatever your area of interest or area of mm-hmm. collecting was... You know, whether it was like in television, Atari 2600, um, some NES Super stuff. Super Air Zonk. Now, did that, is that really worth $650? Is it that rare? Uh, it's, it's you know, it's among the last batch of games that, that were made. That surprised me. I didn't um, think that was going to finish that high. I mean, that's kind of how it is for a lot of these systems, right? Where, you know, once a system is kind of done and there's just a few games left in the pipeline, um, you know, most people's interests have moved on to some other system either the next generation of consoles or you know just store stop carrying them i think it was one of the games that was only available from uh, turbo zone direct where mm-hmm. you had to you know just order it through uh, uh the mail to be able to get it there was no they weren't shipped to stores generally hmm. um so i mean you know obviously Magical Chase is one that people like to to go after, but this is probably one of the next ones in line right behind that. As it's hard to get, <laughs> rare. Totally uh, if you're a turbo collector, definitely it's on your list. Um, but I guess after that, we had uh, you know after the auction ended, there was uh, I guess uh, an incident. At that at the auction that uh, a lot yeah, of people for the, there was an auction for Cheetah Man mm-hmm. Cheetah Men two right for NES uh huh um, there was a bit of a bidding war going on there was a yeah it was a 
spinning war. I mean, it wasn't good fun, but it did get a little, maybe a little bit too intense. Right. Um, so, uh, I kind of, something maybe, uh, personal, the girl, girl who won it, um, you know, she bid, it was, it finished for over a thousand dollars. So it was a pretty pricey auction. Right. She needed, you know, 16 more games to complete her NES collection. And that was one of them. Mm -hmm. So she was pretty determined to get it. And maybe, you know, all the excitement, whatever. Um, right. You know, she had a, a seizure, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, right after the auction ended. So that kind of, fortunately, you know, she's okay. Um, yeah, we got word back that she's she's looking, you know, she you got know, taken care of. came, yeah. And uh, everyone helped out. Everyone was great. Um, <clears throat> the whole room cleared out, gave her space and wait, you know, enough time to, to get uh, medical assistance in there. and uh, Yeah, it was kind of, it was a little scary. Of. You know, I was actually sitting right next to them mm-hmm. uh, when it happened, so... Um, you know, I mean, I was a little confused. I didn't know what was going on, but you know, we called nine one one. Everything, right, got taken care of. She came back the next day. Actually, mm-hmm. took pictures. Um, right, picked up her game, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she was pretty happy about that. And you know, everyone did a great thing. And this is why I love our community. Um, they all chipped in and paid for the game for her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was kind of nice because I'm sure she's dealing with hospital bills and stuff. And right. You know, yeah. Not only the you know the embarrassment of everything that went on. And... Well, I mean, you know, if it's when somebody needs help, I mean, that's the that's the important thing is to get the help. Yeah, don't yeah. worry about anything else. But yeah, for sure, it was yeah. uh, it was a touching moment. But and then you know, people there were a few items left even in the auction, and yeah. we, we, we said, you know on. what, let's let's finish this out. I mean, uh, I'm sure she didn't. You know, would have wanted us to just right. You know, not like have a good know. time and and see it all. Uh, and end well. Yeah, we, I mean, we made sure she was okay when, of course. when, she, when she got taken out on the stretcher and stuff. Mm-hmm. She was able to speak and everything. Right. Yeah, and um, I guess it was just you know the final mystery box needed to be revealed. Hey, so. listen, the auctions—you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> it was that was definitely unexpected. You never know. We didn't uh, expect to see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who 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 down that beer in like one second? Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. There was it's, it's fun. I, I love the auction. There's always wacky stuff happening. <laughs> beer is always a factor. I don't know how it happens. You gotta have beer. It seems to. It seems to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, after after the auction wrapped up, we had the uh, digital press after party going on. Yep. In uh, one of the uh, uh, skybox rooms. They had rooms. a nice skybox. Yeah, they overlooked the museum. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, over, like it was at a higher level above the convention floor, and we were able to overlook the uh, the museum room, right? Yeah, so um, so the museum, the parties are cool because not only do you get, um, like, pretty much free alcohol and mm-hmm. uh, food, but um, you also get to meet some people, like, outside of the, the convention. And, that, and I'm not right. talking about just guests, but also maybe some of the speakers or mm-hmm. um, whoever. So, like, I mean, Tommy Tallarico stopped by. Sure. Um, so, you know, you talk with them, have a conversation, get to meet these people outside of the normal right. video I mean, while you're world. attending during normal show hours, you might be... It might be a little busy. You might be looking at your you watch know. thinking, oh, I gotta go, I gotta run to this panel, or I want to try to finish up my shopping before I have to go eat, or whatever. You yeah. Know, there's things on your mind, but here, this is a chance to just kind of, you know, chill out a bit, relax, um, have a couple of drinks, you know. Yep. And just uh, chat with people who um, love in my the same case, stuff that you love. You put know? a toilet bowl cover over your head, you know. <laughs> the toilet seat covers. The toilet seat cover. I forget a, what they called it. That but, made it. That made its rounds. Yeah. So you know. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think the party fun. was as rowdy as last year, but it's, you know, people still drink quite a bit. So. Well, last year, or last time that we were there, it was in a hotel suite. It was a small room, yeah. Um, people were sitting so on felt, beds. <laughs> it felt more, a little, a Intimate, little closer. Yeah. Uh-huh. A little, you know, like the space was uh, smaller. Um, so maybe it felt a little more crowded, but this this time it was like a bigger room. It was room to stretch. Yeah, there, it had there like were two CD bars. Mm-hmm. Um, there were TVs set up with uh, the flashback console on one and uh, Retron. Retron Five on the other. There was a Virtual Boy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was gaming. There was you know just a party chat. There was Mario Kart. There was a little bit of everything. And what do I do? You, I, uh, uh, you find a comfortable seat and start to pass out. <laughs> yeah. I had two shots, that's all. Uh-huh. Two shots. I didn't even feel like it was anything, but... Right. Um, apparently, yeah, attendees, attendees got a custom shot glass. Yes, that's one of the bonuses for going to the um, digital press party. With Yeah, with the uh, digital press logo on it. Pretty cool. Collectible. He does it every... Every, every time. CG, yeah. Um, hot pink was the color this mm-hmm. time. <laughs> yep, I like it. So that was that was cool, um, you know. Certainly, a good way to kind of wrap up a long day. Saturday is always the big, long, busy day at the show. Yes, it's. I mean, especially that day because the panel started extra early that day. I think that was a Vetrex one. Yeah, that was a. So nine they started at, Usually, they start at ten, and this one started at nine. Right. So everyone was up super early. And you know, maybe you're up late Friday, and then you're, and then you go from, so you go from the the show, the CG on Saturday, and then after that you do the auction, mm-hmm. and then after that you go straight to the party. <laughs> right. So it's just like a fourteen, fifteen hour day. Uh-huh. So by the time you get to the party, things can get pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it gets hazy. But you know, it was a good time all around. Oh, definitely, yeah. And uh, definitely worth the price of admission. Meet some new people. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and then next day was you know pretty much Sunday, which is uh, kind of uh, a wind down for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There wasn't that much to see or do on Sunday in terms of the show. I mean, there were a couple of obviously the last couple of panels that we wanted to catch. Last round at the dealer's room, um, and you know, just kind of a, a way to like kind of just you know. Mm-hmm. Put a put a cap on on the show. Just catch whatever else was left that you might want to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, I like the three days. I thought it was pretty good pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, we did end up staying an extra day just to kind of take in. Oh, from personal, yeah, it was, we personally stayed uh, an extra day in Vegas mm-hmm. just because the travel from Vegas. We were in New York, so um, you know this. They only run like two flights out. Um, we take JetBlue and. It's either leave at 9 at night or 11 at night, so <laughs> there's not really much of a choice. Uh-huh. And it's an overnight flight, so, you know, we decided to get some rest Sunday and leave Monday. But we got to spend some time right. Monday. Right, right. Check out, you know, gamble a little bit. Uh-huh. See the local, uh... The wonderful... The local sites. <laughs> local sites of Vegas. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know... I don't know about you. I'm not a I'm not a big Vegas guy. I don't I don't I don't, I don't typically gamble a yeah, whole lot. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not really there for the shows either. So I just kind of wanted to see what some of the local uh, gaming related sites were, just to see. Uh, you know, every year there was always uh, a party at the Pinball Hall of Fame too. Mm-hmm. But that was always up against the digital press party. Right. At the same so there's time, always those two or parties. Or during the during the auction. Didn't yeah. want to miss those things. 
So um, decided to hit uh, the Pinball Hall of Fame on on Monday after the show wrapped Which up. is a great place. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Now, any highlights from... Uh, the Pinball? From the Pinball Hall of Fame for you. I, well, I've been there before, so I kind of knew going in. Um, one of the things I, I didn't see last time, which was Tron Legacy arcade game. Mm-hmm. I mean, a pinball game. Right. So that was cool to play that, because, I mean, you just don't see pinball games anymore, anywhere. Mm-hmm. It used to be like, you know, you go to a bowling alley or something and you know you would see a pinball game or bar but even it's like just non-existent mm-hmm. so yeah i got to play the tron legacy mm-hmm. um they have some of my personal favorites um super mario brothers pinball pinball games yeah <laughs> right. which you never see that uh-huh they have two versions of those they have a cubert cubes pinball i think that was called fun. interesting that was they had to make that game weird and quirky in some yep. way because um, it's cubert Orbital Toll, something like that. Orbital... Orbiter 1. Orbiter 1, yeah. It's a Stern arcade game. It's an interesting... I've never seen before. Bizarre. It's just... That was the first time I had ever seen that. And that was unlike anything I've ever seen in a pinball game. Because it looked like just like the surface of the moon or something. Yeah. And... So you're on a flat surface. And there's not really many obstacles at all... It's very bare-looking. It's very bare-looking, bare yeah. But the weird thing about it is that the ball just behaves in a very unexpected there's, way. So, yeah. So, there's, uh, so it's kind of like a hologram image. Mm-hmm. So, you're on a flat surface, but it looks like the moon surface because right. of the hologram. But underneath it, there's all these magnets that are, like, rotating and spinning. Uh-huh. So, so they're your, affecting the motion of the ball. Yeah. So, the ball is never going to go in a straight line. It looks like anti-gravity. So, sometimes the ball will go through the flipper... And rather than just like, because it's like anti-gravity, rather than going and losing the ball, it'll swing back around and come back up. <laughs> it changes up. direction yeah, and you comes never back know. out. <laughs> I mean, that's just... So it's these real weird physics stuff that makes the game kind of hard to play and maybe not so fun because you have very little uh-huh. control over it. But it's just, I think, for just from a visual standpoint, point, right. it's a cool machine. And, and I think you told me that pinball enthusiasts are not that crazy I, I, I about I think this so, because there's not much to do, you uh-huh. know, to go for score and... Um, I don't know. I I don't, I don't. I just heard that from. I don't know how true that is, but mm-hmm. I'm not a big pinball enthusiast. But I do enjoy. Right. I enjoy checking them out. Yeah, I mean, I got I got to play uh, a classic Star Trek pinball. Right. Uh, I'd seen they had a couple of that, like Star Trek Next Star Generation Trek before, but classic Trek I'd never seen, so I wanted to give that a spin. Mm-hmm. Mm, that was pretty cool. I mean, I gave it one play. I thought it was uh, worth trying out. Yeah. Um, but they did have some, you know, arcade video games too. So I got to play that. Yeah, they have a nice vintage wall. They've Tron, all the, all the classics, mm-hmm. Tron, Cubert, right. Super Mario. Um, mm-hmm. they had the the Star Trek Sega arcade game. Uh, but a sit a, down, but a cockpit. Yeah, yeah, like a cockpit. I've never version. seen that before. I'd never uh-huh. seen it either. And uh, that was cool. took a spin on that. That was. Uh, the nice thing about that was, I, I thought it was interesting, where the controls were on the handles, on the sides of the... Right, on the armrests, basically. So rather than having the control panel in front of you, like a Star Wars or something like that, mm-hmm. it was on the, yeah, the, ha- the armrests. Right. So and yeah, like it's, you it's a steering on one game, side right? and then all your buttons or, on the other. So what is it, a knob on There's one a side? There's no- a knob on the left side that you okay. can that you use to steer your ship. And then all your other controls are buttons on the other hand. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I liked, I liked the machine. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite games, but it's a game I do enjoy, so I was, it was fun to I play I like that. the voices. I like the voice samples funny. and the vector <laughs> graphics, um, 
you know, and the sound effects, all the appropriate Star Trek sound effects were in there. Uh, but uh, there was also a Robotron machine there. Now, since I didn't get a good, solid Robotron machine in the arcade at the Expo... Yeah, the Expo Robotron setups were not that great. There were actually two uh, Williams multi-arcade machines that had Robotron on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them had issues, either the controller or the monitor... And I wasn't able to get a good, solid Robotron game in. But I got a good one at the Pinball Hall of Fame, so I was and happy about tell that. Tell me more about your Robotron experience at the <laughs> Pinball Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, I, I mean, for me, I managed to, to get my personal high score ever on the machine. Which was... On my first, on my first quarter. Do you well, remember? You took, you took a picture of it. I did, so yeah. So I'm going to check. I'm gonna have to check your photos. But it was... Um, what was it? It was like over 300? I, I I don't remember something like that. Yeah, 30, yeah. thirty five or thirty nine. It was it was, was it was it was it was. It I got probably a, wasn't great to like <laughs> for for high maybe, score enthusiasts for experts. I, but I did get the all time number three. You were position. number three, and number one was pretty. Number three, I think, was nine hundred something. Yeah, it was like the so. Top. It wasn't quite a million point game. It was a nine hundred thousand point. I think number two was around five. So I think my game was upper threes, upper three hundred. To put it in perspective. You got up to wave 19. Right, most which I've never done before. I can barely get past 9, mm-hmm. and most people can't get past 3 or 4 <laughs> waves. <laughs> you got up to 19, that's amazing. <laughs> it's it's just a game that I've been playing a lot lately. Um, I've been rediscovering my love for this machine. And, it's a great game. And awesome. uh, unfortunately, I don't have a good twin-stick setup for home play, so seeing it in who the arcade... Does? I mean, who does, really? Very few, I guess. <laughs> well... Uh, unless you have an XR arcade like you do. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the problem. You're going to get me on a rant now. Because I'm sick and tired of these multi-cade machines mm-hmm. that use those bat-top HAP controllers, mm-hmm. which have no gate on them. They're just like 360-degree movements. Mm-hmm. And they're just not, not what not I remember. When I, played, when, I, when I grew up in arcades, which was in the 80s, we all had a ball-top ball the old style, right. either four-way or, you know, a true eight-way or and even a two-way. Kind of a short ball top. Short. Usually they were short. You know, in the case of, like, Q-Bird, I think it was, like, um, a short throw, like, Wicco stick. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But all these, like, multi-cades that you see, like, people sell for, like, $3,000 and stuff, they're beautiful looking. But they just, they put those crappy <laughs> hap American-made joysticks, uh-huh. which are, you know, apparently built to last, but they suck. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they feel, they're just, they feel a, little, a little mushy to me. I cannot play on them. And uh, doesn't have that same I, 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 distance I, when you when you shift. I mean, the XRKs come with them, and I had to mod mine out, because to me, that's like the weak point of the mm-hmm. whole... I don't know. I, I don't get it. I, don't know. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't, it doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, that's the problem with building any multi-arcade machine. There's just not going to be a control scheme that's going to be 100% for every game. That's true. Um, but you know, you have to you have to customize it to get it to your liking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you know we also you know after we uh, we wrapped up with the Pinball Hall of Fame, we um, we actually went to uh, a Gamers Paradise first, which was right next door. It's a video game store that's right next to the the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they have a little game shop. Uh, it was nice to look around just to see what a local game shop looks like. Sure. Um, yeah. There wasn't anything in particular that I was looking for, especially after the weekend. 
Um, but I just wanted to see what you know what yeah. one of the major stores it's like there a little mom like. and pop shop there. Um, yeah, independent store. Um, they had a little museum of their own too. They had some. Yeah, they had. That's an interesting mix. Decent, of, actually, like uh, almost half of the store was filled with unbuyable <laughs> merchandise. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it kind had, of puzzled me a little bit. They, uh, well, I mean, it would be gone if it was for sale. So I wouldn't... know, but there's a lot of retail space on <laughs> stuff you can't buy. Right, right. Well, they 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 had pretty packed aisles too. Yeah. Uh, but they had a nice handheld section above the register area. Yep. They had uh, they had a couple of nice display cases uh, with like pretty mo- pretty full range of mm-hmm. of gaming items. A lot yeah, of Atari computers. To the a lot current. of yep. um there was even uh an N sixty four There's some candy cabinets in there. Right. Right, yeah. There were uh there were a couple of that I think that were at the arcade room. Same ones from there, yeah. In in the expo because they, they helped uh, set up that room I mm-hmm. guess. Um and I guess it was a little disappointing that they weren't multi-game. Yeah, uh, I think they were just programmed. They for, were I think just Marvel versus Capcom yeah, machines. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was, at least we got some time in on that machine just mm-hmm. to see what the, how the sit down candy cab format feels like. Uh, cause we're used yes, to so that's stand something up Yeah, machines. exactly. I'm not used to the sit down type. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we also visited, uh, Toy Shack that day. Right. So the Toy Shack that is on, that you see on Pawn Stars, mm. um, they're like the buddies of the Pawn Star guys. Right. Um, I don't think Toy Shack has their own show. I don't believe so, but um, they're doing, they're just like guest stars sometimes. Right. So it was kind of cool, you know. We're both being avid toy at one point avid toy collectors. Right. <laughs> still somewhat we of kick, an interest. Kicked that addition, uh, that addiction slightly. Yeah, a little mostly, bit. Mostly, <laughs> mostly. But so it was fun. That guy. That I was guy still interested enough to see the guy was nice in there. I'm mm-hmm. joking around. Um, not super pushy. Right. But um, you know, knows his stuff. It seems like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, nice, nice store in general. Nothing uh-huh. I wanted to buy, personally, um, but a, a little pricey. You know, definitely city type prices. Mo- more, like more on the pricey side than not. Yeah, you know, maybe not as much as eBay, but um, right. definitely not like flea market prices. You know, mm-hmm. but um, you know, good stuff. A lot of rare stuff. A lot yeah, of I mean, if you're looking for anything in particular, I mean, it seems like they're gonna have it. A lot of Hot Wheels <laughs> or whatever Matchbox, tons of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but it was tons, cool. Tons I, of everything, really. Yeah, McFarlane and everything. Star good. big Star Wars section, Star Trek stuff. You know, even tin like German toys, right? Weird like stuff, vintage looking things. Mm-hmm. A couple arcade cabinets stuck in there, right? <laughs> just just for you know, yep. just for the heck of it. Um, but you know, I think right near there too was uh, the other arcade in town, Insert Coins. Uh, which unfortunately oh, we took the walk to, and they were closed crap. on Mondays, Mondays and Tuesdays. How right. can you run a, a an arcade and not have it opened all the time? I don't know. I get because it's a barcade type of store. Still, uh, it's not like a dedicated arcade. It's more of like a, a nightlife so type of store. Uh, so yeah, I didn't. Uh, I was. A so what do they open that. like eight o'clock till twelve or something? Some stupid hour. Yeah, it's for nightlife, I guess. Yes. Through that. <laughs> I know, I know, especially since we started off near it, and then we walked away from it. I was really looking to, forward to that. And then we that. walked all was... the way back to it, just to find out it was closed. Nah. Um, but, you know, after that, we kind of had to get back to the hotel, and um, apparently getting a cab in Vegas is, is a challenge unto itself. <laughs> So we had to come up with a creative way to get back, and we were a lot of rules. We were for a city of no rules, and anything goes. I know. a lot of rules. Apparently, yeah, cabs just can't, can't pull just, over. Yeah, you can't just pull over. You can't hail a cab. Apparently, you can't just 
go on a bus like with with cash or something or whatever they said you have to like buy this pass and stuff and right so we ended up taking a bus to try to get back yeah because the- and uh we ended up on the strip at the end of the strip and uh we tried to take the deuce to get up there and that's like a six dollar ride which i'm blown away by i thought this was a city bus you know i thought yeah well was- we, the city bus was two dollars right. and then for some reason like a block later, when you're on the strip, it's now suddenly six dollars, <laughs> right? For the same, and it's exact change only, you right? Can, you exact change. <laughs> I tried feeding a twenty into the vending machine that gives the bus and ticket, and he said, and it no said change. you've overpaid, and I'm oh, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what that's it kept right. saying. I'm like, all right, that's so right give me change. The, that's right. <laughs> so luckily, we had enough. We 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 got enough quarters from the pinball. And we hall had of fame. like what eight dollars of quarters. Mm-hmm. And we dumped in. We pulled all and of that, our that singles. That girl on the, the bus was nice enough, who was a waitress. She's a bar, bartender, she told me. So she had like a wad of singles. And she's like, I'll break your 20 if you want. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I've been through this before, so I know. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was a bit of a mini-adventure on yeah, itself. Yeah, well, I guess we learn for next time, if there is a next time. Yeah, because uh, we also got the news that the museum has found a permanent home this week. Yeah. So the, the video game history museum mm-hmm. will have a home in Frisco, Texas. Right. Permanent home. Yeah. And uh, so that's at least something so to look forward they're to. They're still going to tour. They're going to do their E3s and their conventions mm-hmm. to spread the word about the museum. Um, at least for the time being. I don't know, like long term, but um, who knows if they'll have an appearance at CGE anymore or at what capacity it'll be. Probably if they do, it's going to be small. Yeah, it'll be because they're down. they're starting to move all their their stuff to, you know, Texas now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's going to be so. an exciting new chapter for them. Oh, it's amazing. And uh, I'll be, um, you know, I'm definitely anticipating seeing what the final uh, product is yeah. going to look like. And, and, um, actually, they're going to go through, I guess, a couple different stages. They're going to sort of do um, provisional museum at first until they can get their full permanent version set up. Um, but that's going to be great to see and, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that. And there still might be CGE cause now these, you know, Scott and those guys are running it. So they might use the name or they might just rename it and call it something on their own. Right. Do their own thing, but we'll see. Yeah. But that about wraps yeah. our kind of take on the whole thing. Yeah. That's our story. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you want to add about it or, um, did you have any juicy stories that came out? I mean, this was Vegas, you know, anything can happen. I know, but you know, the rules. What? What stays in Vegas? You've heard it before. Yeah. So. So if it stays in Vegas, when I go back, is it still going to be there? (laughs) I I don't know if you're going to get it back in the condition you left it in. Yeah. Cause I got $30 on missing (laughs) and I think one of the slot machines has it. You gotta find it and see if that jackpot is still climbing. Damn, that was quick thirty dollars. <laughs> it's like two presses on the machine. That's what happens. Damn. But uh, not bad though overall. Good yeah, time. good times. Um, so yeah, so we'll end the podcast now. Um, I just want to thank you everyone who's listening, and please send us feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And let us know. Uh, we'll probably have a different format ongoing now for the next couple of episodes, unless we do some kind of more like features like this. But I mm-hmm. um, just wanted to kick it off with a special like intro 
And uh, we'll be back hopefully for some more and some videos too to go with some of these um, podcasts that we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And anything else to add? Um, nope. I mean, you know, I've got a few things that I can talk about, that some of the items that I picked up, but I'm, I'm probably just going to save that for a video. Okay. And, uh, we'll, that sounds good. We'll, and we'll and, get more into that. Um, you can find us, I'm going to be creating a YouTube channel for our Brooklyn Bites. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more easier to find than my personal channel. <laughs> more direct. And then we'll also post links. Cool? Good deal. All right. And for now, thanks a lot for listening. Thank you. And so long. Take care.